The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Good morning, Jerry. Uh, it's Thursday, which means yesterday was Wednesday, which means, unfortunately, the Mariners lost. It's amazing how many times this has happened uh, over the course of the season. But how are we doing today? Uh, you know, I, it's uh, it's it's another Thursday, another you know general morning of frustration. I, I don't know a better way to put it, and that goes for our entire organization. And, you know, it starts with me, and it runs through every player on the field. They're feeling it. We all are. And would like to get out from underneath it. You know, we saw these two losses uh, in a row Tuesday night and then yesterday afternoon. One was of the, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't win that game variety. The other was of the they just didn't hit from day one from the start of the game variety. I don't want to say which one drives you most crazy because I'm sure both of them drive you crazy in unique ways. But how do you put those two types of losses into context? You know, I think one is a hangover from the other, frankly. And, you know, on on Tuesday night, we we gave away a win. It was right there for us. There's no, you know, sugarcoating it. We have given that game away before you know, this season. Uh, never quite so frustratingly as we did on Tuesday. But, you know, it was uh, that was about as bad as it gets in terms of lack of execution. And, you know, you roll in, and as the schedule makers would have it, you've got a day game. And, you know, for a lot of guys, they're still feeling the tension, the disappointment, the frustration from the night before. And I think it showed up in the batter's box. Does a Thursday off day like today, Jerry, kind of give you guys an opportunity to maybe get together in a way, you know, as, a, as an organization and just kind of talk through? And as Salk said, this is not a system system wide. This is just one very acute issue. The offensive production has been the biggest struggle this season. Does an off day give you guys an opportunity to, to sit with Scott and to sit with everybody together maybe? You know, we didn't need an off day to do that. We do it regularly. And you know, that's a, that is sometimes daily, like I said before, uh, oftentimes biweekly with our offensive check-ins. And, you know, we, we make regular use of the calendar in our favor to sit down and meet and talk about, you know, strategies, rosters, ways we might be able to, to get this game going or this team going. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've not hit on it. That's, I, I wish I had a better answer. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're not – doing the things that winning teams do. And, you know, that, that doesn't just go for the lack of hitting. It's, it's situational execution. It's, it's coming up with a simple ground ball or a fly ball when you need it. It's, it's what the Nationals did on Tuesday. You know, they, they found a way to, to generate a run and win a game. And then we have failed to do that over and over. So what now? I mean, it, it is an off day today. I, I understand that you guys meet more often than just on off days, but sometimes that's when we tend to see action occur on a baseball team. Should we expect action today? No. You know, our action is to, to get together here in about an hour and, and start working through our national draft meetings. And, you know, it's a, we do have a lot to manage beyond just the major league club, and we're in the midst of that with the draft coming up on us and, and an important one for us with – three picks in the first round and, and to continue building depth in our organization. And, and I think sometimes an off day is good just to let it be an off day. I think everybody needs a chance to just tap the brakes. When you do things at the highest end of your emotion, they tend not to be very smart things. <laughs> so talking about 
you know, amateur players and how we might improve the depth of our organization seems a pretty good respite. Hey, so we were having this conversation earlier and we took some calls, et cetera, and I think it's a good thing to ask you. What is the expectation of a modern manager when the team is losing or slumping or not playing its best? What is the expectation of a manager in this day and age, 2023? Well, I think it's, Keeping morale at a at a level that's manageable, it's a it's such a roller coaster season. We have you know in years past in good seasons and in bad, we've been on our roller coaster, and the manager's job is to try to keep the roller coaster, you know, avoid the peaks and valleys as much as you can. And, and right now, there's no question we're in a valley, and and that puts a lot of pressure on Scott, on our staff to try to keep morale a little bit higher. Uh, to keep focus where it needs to be. And I guess if I had one thing to point to, it's continue to play fundamentally sound baseball. And that's where we're falling short. And I don't think you can magically coach it. There is no secret play. You know, as Scott referenced yesterday, there is no offensive timeout to huddle the group and say, here's what we need to do. It's such a unique game and that it's about, it's about 26 players executing individually for a team outcome or result. And I don't know that a manager in baseball has the same ability to impact the outcome as it does really in any of the other major sports because there is no secret play. It's just about putting a bat on a ball. So when we get, you know, people who call in or, or email text, whatever the you know way of getting in touch is and say they want to see more fire, they want to see more anger, they want to see more of that from the leaders on down – is that still a way to exist in modern baseball? Is that something you are looking for? Yeah, it's a, I don't really know what that does. We've talked about that before. You know, I've, I've been on teams where managers come in the room and, and yell frequently. There's, we're in a generation of player, uh, to, at least through our experiences and in baseball. We're in a generation of player who will just tune you out. It's a, you, know, you have a couple of, of cracks at, at something like lighting up the clubhouse. And, you know, you, you have to choose your spots. You can't, you can't manage like that every day over 162-game baseball season. You can't react that emotionally. The best players you've ever seen, they manage it calmly. You know, we, we've, we've preached calm. You know, we preach calm in the way we try to execute in a bat. We preach focus and hard work. And, and you have to model that behavior even when it's going bad. And right now it's going bad. You can't just – you can't flip your script. And, st- and turn into someone you're not. Uh, Jerry DePoto here with us. Jerry, can I throw three, ex- and maybe they sound like excuses or explanations, but three things your way offensively, and, and obviously your depth and intel is going to be far superior to, to even any of the diehard fans listening with these three areas. Um, exit velo. Do you feel like guys at times are chasing that exit velo? I, I think exit velo is, is closely linked to offensive success. I, I don't know that you can hit without wanting to hit the ball hard. You know, there are not too many major league hitters, and I don't care what your era, even before you knew about exit velocity as a, as a trackable statistic, before satellites were, were you know, monitoring such things, you went up to the batter's box, and the goal was to hit the ball hard, and that's still the goal today. You talked about taking a breather or timeout. We talked about this earlier in the week, and this pitch clock does not allow for timeouts. It does not allow to step out of the box at times other than your one timeout per at-bat. Is uh, maybe some of the younger guys or maybe even the veterans dealing with this for the first time, is this pitch clock speeding the game up offensively? 
Uh, I think it's it's speeding the game up in general. You know, it's speeding the game up offensively. I don't know if that's a problem for us. Frankly, we've done you know, a better job than most. One of the more positive outcomes for us this season is how well we have managed the, the, the pitch clock, the timer. And you know, it's a, that's generally been to our advantage. We tend to disrupt the other team a lot more than it disrupts us. Right now, it's just plain and simple. The game is moving fast for a lot of players on our field. And it's not because of a clock. It's because of the, the, the pressures, the, the, the stresses they're creating for themselves through performance. There's a, again, there's really no way of been slicing that. And then performance hitting spin uh, from an average standpoint, a number standpoint has been, I know you talked about the power outage a couple of weeks ago, but just hitting the amount of spin that you guys are seeing seems to be a, a tremendous challenge. What is the ant, uh, antidote to that? Get better at it. Uh, you know, and, and if we don't get better at it, find players that can do it. It's, it's that simple. Keep practicing it. It's hitting breaking balls. And, and again, this goes back to the time of, you know, Christy Mathewson. <laughs> hitting breaking balls is not easy. And, you know, there are numerous teams and, and players in our league can handle the ones that hang in the middle of the plate. Nobody hits the good ones very well. And right now we're not hitting either of them. And, and I don't think it's, it's limited to just spin. You know, we're, we're so focused on the spin that we're allowing ourselves to slump versus fastballs very often. And, you know, that's not helpful either. So it's sometimes the best way out of the, the, the hole is to focus on the thing you do best. And, you know, what we have done best and when we have been good, we eliminate pitches. We eliminate pitches. We focus on the middle of the plate. We don't chase. These are all things that have been staples of our offense for a number of years. And right now we're doing all of those things. We are chasing. We are not focusing on the middle of the plate. We are struggling with the breaking ball that is there to hit. And, you know, it's the only thing you can control, as I've said, week after week is the pitch you swing at. And I think Tuesday night's game is very indicative of what happens when you swing at the wrong pitches. Yeah, so actually I was just about to take you back to Tuesday night for a moment. Not that, you know, anybody wants to journey back there. But when you said that the execution in the 10th, you know, was as problematic as it was. I assume you were referring to the 10th and that opportunity that, that was presented there in that inning. What are you looking for? How how, do, how does, I don't I know you probably don't want to call out individual players, but how was the approach there different from what you want it to be? What what was specifically going wrong there? I won't even limit it to, to just the 10th inning, you know, bases loaded and nobody out. It's about contact. It's about finding a way to get something you can elevate, hit something into the outfield grass. It's a, it's a, it's situational baseball, but it runs so much deeper than that, you know, for our team and our struggles and, and especially of late. And we have the frustration that you see boiling up with our team. It, it comes from losing games in the way we're losing. them. You know, you can't as a bullpen and we have a very good bullpen. You can as a bullpen come in and walk five guys in five innings. That's just, you're giving the other team opportunity you're you're costing yourselves depth the next day which reared its head yesterday when we didn't have the bullpen to tap into you know it's little things that that stack up on one another and when you look up and and here in the third week of june we lead the league in one run losses we lead the league in extra inning games we we, we actually lead the league and hitting balls within five feet of the wall without being home run <laughs> it's a we find ways to create frustration and that really boiled to the top on Tuesday evening. You know, with that bases loaded situation, you flatten out, you get a little wider in the box, you find a way to put the bat on the ball and get something you can lift, not go up there and rush through at bats, swinging at the first thing you see. 
and it's uh it's it's been problematic for us throughout the year there's a reason why we've struggled the way we have with runners in scoring position especially you know in this last series here with the nationals it's about the pitches we swing at and until our players start swinging at better pitches we're going to continue to struggle Jerry, from a from a team building standpoint, and kind of going back to the to the off season, how do you account in your job for regression? It's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. And you know, it's a it's we sit here and we talk about draft picks right now. We're we're situating ourselves for the the, the draft here at the All Star break. None of them or few of them are going to turn out to be exactly what you think. It's the same way when you're building a team. You're, you're reliant on players' track records. You're reliant on, on what their, you know, their skill set suggests they will do based on you know, age and, and, I guess, closest proximity, you know, more recent performance. So we're not counting on A.J. Pollock to do the things he was doing in 2015 we're counting on AJ Pollock to do something similar to what he was doing a year ago and, or, you know, in September of a year ago, there's, you, you try to, to thin it down or, or whittle it down to a skill set. What does this player do well? And then you build a puzzle, you know, and, and we're trying to build a puzzle that allows us to succeed up and down the lineup. There's rights and verse laps defensively on the bases. And, you know, we are a team that is, that is built on role players. We have, you know, a great need for players to, to play the role that they play. And, and right now we have many who just haven't. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not single players. It is, as I've said, and I think I said it last week, it is a collective struggle. And, you know, the, the way we'll get out of it, I still believe that there's a lot of season left and our best chance for resolving our struggle is for good players to start doing the things that they've done. And they've, and they've done for us in the past – now, some of the players that we have, we're built on a roster that is largely 20-somethings. And, you know, we shouldn't be struggling to, to, to survive the way we are with the talent that we have. And, unfortunately, that's the position we've put ourselves in. We knew this league would look and feel differently this season with the rule changes, with the pitch clock, with the, with the shift ban and, and the other movements. Jerry, how do you account for the number of arm injuries in this league this season? Is is one that's got a son that loves to pitch, <laughs> who had little league shoulder this year to deal with uh, at thirteen, and to watch the just the amount of injuries uh, across the league, and certainly what has hit your ball club as well. How do you account for all of the arm injuries right now? Uh, you know, I wish I had a good answer for you. I'm not a doctor, but you know, I, I do know that when you throw as hard as these players throw today it's you know we're in we're in a new world we don't really know you know what it's like for a pitcher to go out you know inning after inning year after year with this kind of velocity i I don't really know another way to, to there's never been an era like this in baseball and you know i don't think it has anything to do with pitch timers i don't think it has anything to do with with training styles, I think the the evolution of the pitcher and how how hard a pitcher throws today, we just don't know, you know, how sustainable that is over time because we've never seen, we can't look back on long careers, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson, <laughs> and and say what does it look like uh, when pitchers throw that hard for that long, and and that's the only thing I can look at, and and truly we won't know for 
generations, whether that was the effect or not. And, and it's not even in the major league level. I mean, you're talking, Jerry, about scouting. I mean, you're looking at these college kids right now, high school kids, right? I mean, <laughs> high school kids throwing 97 miles an hour, let alone these college kids, kid out of LSU crazy. that's throwing 102 on his 120th pitch. How hard did you throw, Jerry, when you played? Uh, you know, 93, 95. Okay. And, and at the time, that was a, a pretty good fastball. <laughs> but the, the, you know, the, the way fastballs have evolved, you know, when I, when I broke into the big leagues, an average fastball was 90 miles an hour. And today, an average fastball is 94 plus miles an hour. It's, it's, uh, it's come to, and four miles an hour. And, and that, that you go back to, to, to the 1990s, you go back to the 1960s, you go back to the 1950s. It's, it's going to be within about a mile an hour on average or something like that. And you know, here we've taken a tremendous jump and, and it's, it's made offense uh, a little harder to play. It's, it's made pitching injuries, you know, at least a little bit more frequent. I don't want to say they're they're you know, it's that it's wildly different than in years past. We just may know a little bit more mm-hmm. about the injury or how to treat it than, than they may have known in, in generations past. One of the reasons I asked is I was curious. Let's say you threw 94 on average. If somebody had said to you at the time, hey, Jerry, throw as hard, you know, max out. Show me one pitch that you throw as hard as you can. How hard do you think you could have thrown for one pitch? Uh, well, I know that, that, that in my prime, I could hit a 96 or a 97 on a given day, you know. I don't know if I could have sustained that. And, I don't, and frankly, I don't know if I could have done that if pitching in a climate that was different than Colorado. Where right. The air was a little bit lighter. <laughs> you know, it's, for all I know, it was actually in 93. It, it, you know, it, but it, it's, I don't know how hard it is to sustain that physically, except to watch how hard our pitchers work at, you know, at a different type of, of, preparedness you know there's we used to go long and strong you know as a as an industry you know run run long miles poles you know sweat it out beat out the lactic acid that was your preparation now we train and and strength burst sprints you know it's it's more we are built to go faster for a shorter period of time and and that's what you know that's what baseball is now at every level you know that's the way they're training in college that's the way they train in high school that's the way they trade in independent facilities. And, uh, you know, I think the game has evolved. I don't think you're putting that genie back in the bottle because for most of the guys, it's fun to throw hard. <laughs> and, you know, for most of the hitters, I'm sure they wish that there were a lot more fastballs like mine instead of, you know, guys like George Kirby. Jerry, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the draft, and it's coming up rapidly here. You guys have three picks in the top 30. I mean, what a, what a fantastic situation to be in. What does this draft look like? What are you guys working on? Uh, this is the deepest draft that I've ever seen, and it's uh, I've, I've been doing this a fair bit of time now. And, and the the top of this class has four or five players that have a chance to be you know, iconic for for whoever gets a chance to, to put them in their uniform. Uh, you know, per Brock, you know, as long as they stay healthy, there there's top end in this draft. There there are stars throughout the first round. Even you know, you're going to get the opportunity in this draft to take everyday players beyond the first round, which is a very unusual thing in a baseball draft. And, you know, this, this is, there's depth, particularly among position players. This is a position player rich draft that, and, and it's high school, it's college, uh, as good as I've ever seen. I, I, I couldn't be more excited about having the, the pick stacked up the way we do. I think we're, we're going to do some real damage on draft day and put talent into our system that, uh, that 
truly would take us multiple drafts to accrue uh, and, and to, to have that opportunity with what I think is already a good minor league system with high-end prospects and, and to further fortify it, put guys in there to make impact is, is exciting for us. Uh, my last thing for you is to, to go back to the health and the arm. We got the update uh, from Justin earlier in the week that Marco is now dealing maybe with a little bit of nerve issue as well. Is there any kind of further update or timetable at all with Marco? None. You know, it's uh, again, we're just going to take it day by day. Uh, right now, uh, it's despite our struggles, starting pitching remains one of our strengths. We're thrilled with the productivity that we've gotten out of out of our, our starting rotation and, and particularly the way our young guys have performed, you know, when, when thrown into the fire with very limited experience, even in professional baseball, but uh, nothing on Marco, no real idea when he'll be back out there. And you no, know, my stock answer will be when he feels good enough to be back out there. Well, Jerry, we appreciate it. I'm sorry. The Wednesday uh, streak continues, but uh, eventually Four and nine. we're going to turn it around. Yes. Four and nine on Wednesdays. It's going to turn around. Exactly. It has to turn around. We appreciate you coming and uh, answering the questions and uh, we will do it again. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. All right, guys.